Good morning, Northgate and friends. You might be wondering why I am wearing this beautiful, sleek, bright, shiny vest. Just getting excited for tomorrow where people will be wearing these vests and directing you where to go. It's been a long week trying to figure out uh, how best to have our outdoor services after the government has given us permission, but we've settled on two to keep our number under 50, 9.30 and 11. Um, so we're excited for that. But for those of you who can't make it or not comfortable coming, we truly understand it is uh, difficult times, and uh, but we wanna create many options for you. That's why we're doing this video for a teaching in 1 Corinthians chapter five and six. On Sunday will be a shorter teaching out of this longer teaching. It's only 25 minutes, but anyways, the one on Sunday will be only 10 to 12 minutes. And you actually can see that on Facebook Live if you'd like to at 11 a.m. if technology works correct. But we want to continue to work our way through God's Word and learn from it. Just one other announcement this week that we do have our Wednesday night prayer meeting and you are invited to join us. And that is Wednesday 8 p.m. There'll be a Zoom invitation in the announcements. God is so faithful. We are so thankful for all that he is doing in our lives and that he loves us and cares for us. I hope you enjoy this message and that you learn and grow from it. We pray that you have a great week. If you'd like any support or you need to reach out, please don't be afraid to email or call. We'd love to talk to you. Be blessed. Have a great week and we'll see you soon. Good morning, Northgate and friends. Sunday or whenever you're watching this, praise the Lord for God's word and the ability to come together. This week we're looking at 1 Corinthians chapter 5 and chapter 6, or at least parts of them, and then we'll double back next week to talk about some other stuff too. This week a little different. Some will be gathering, some at home, uh, but God's word is wherever we are. Praise the Lord. Um, yeah, let's just pray. Thank you, Jesus. I pray that your word would speak to our hearts. Would you go to the depth of where we are and challenge us, encourage us, exhort us. Holy Spirit, we ask you to be present. We pray this in your name. Amen. So we've been making our way through the book of 1 Corinthians. Paul writing the Corinthians. We know we've talked different things about unity, spiritual wisdom. And last week we talked about relational discipleship. That ministry um, discipleship comes so effectively through relationships. And Paul talks to them and calls himself their spiritual father. He says, you have many instructors, but not many fathers. He's warning them because he loves them. He says they're his beloved children. And at, in verse 21 of chapter 4 says, What do you want? Shall I come to you with the rod or in love and a spirit of gentleness? So I pray today that the Holy Spirit will be speaking to us in love and a spirit of gentleness. As he gets into chapter 5 and chapter 6, he's going to warn them and challenge them in the area of sexual immorality. There's sexual immorality in the church, as we see in chapter 5, verse 1, and it's not even named among the Gentiles. He says then in verse 2, are you puffed up? 
and have not rather mourned that he who has done this deed might be taken away from you. For I indeed, as absent in body, but present spirit, have already judged as though I were present um, him who has done this deed. In the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, when you are gathered together along with my spirit, with the power of our Lord Jesus Christ, deliver such as a one to Satan for the destruction of the flesh, that his spirit may be saved in the day of the Lord Jesus. Your glorying is not good. Do you not know that a little leaven leavens the whole lump? Therefore purge out the old leaven, that you may be a new lump, since you truly are unleavened. For indeed Christ our Passover was sacrificed to us. Therefore let us keep the feast, not with old leaven, nor with the leaven of malice and wickedness, but with unleavened bread of sincerity and truth. He's going to go on in chapter 6, at the end of chapter 6, and talk a little bit more about sexual immorality, and that's the way they used to live. But he says, And such were some of you, but you were washed, but you were sanctified, but you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of God in verse 11. At the end of the chapter, he moves on to tell them, Do you not know in verse 15 of chapter 6 that your bodies are members of Christ? Shall I then take the members of Christ and make them members of a harlot? Certainly not. Or do you not know that he who is joined to a harlot is one body with her? For the two, he says, shall become one flesh. But he who is joined to the Lord is one spirit with him. Verse 18, flee sexual immorality. Every sin that a man does is outside the body, but he who commits sexual immorality sins against his own body. Or do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God, and you are not your own? For you were bought at a price, therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. So a little history. We know that city of Corinth was full of immorality. The temple prostitutes, history would tell us, would come out at night, thousands of them, and the city would engage many of them in sexual immorality. So the issue is a lot of these people came to know Jesus, saved, washed, sanctified, justified, but now Paul's saying to them, don't let this sin back in the church. And it seems to be that there is that something that's being reported of the sexual immorality of a man uh, with his um, mother-in-law sinning sexually, and no one's doing anything about it. So as I was thinking about this, you know, talking to a friend, it's easy to give a sermon slapping people on the hand saying, okay, don't do this. Uh, this is wrong, bad boy, bad girl, uh, whatever that includes. And oftentimes, that's how we talk to people. Don't sin. Don't do this. But I think we need to go a little deeper, and hopefully the Holy Spirit will lead us. I have um, had the privilege throughout the years working with high school students, way back being a teacher, young adults, adults um, working through many issues of sexuality and we know that things are changing in our society and we're not 
that much different from Corinth, maybe a little different in some ways, but the challenges of the cesspool of our world is a reality. So how really do we speak to this truth that, hey, we shouldn't mess with that stuff, and if it's in the church, it needs to be, as he would say, with the leaven purged out. Um, how do we go deeper? And I think as we look in these chapters, we can see the reality of how to have depth to beat this sin is not just saying, don't do it, don't do it. We have to go deeper to see what God is saying. And I just remember working with so many people and you could keep them accountable, whatever that looks like. And don't do this, don't do this, don't do this. Like, And oftentimes it's challenging until they go a little deeper to understand. You see, the problem usually is never the problem. There's a deeper problem of the heart and an understanding of some things. And here in Corinth, it's interesting if they're sl slipping back into this sin, the reality is they're not remembering who they are in Christ. They're not understanding, as it would say in chapter 6, that they are clean and washed and sanctified. They don't know Christ. And there's two things I just want to point out. That being the first, as he would say, for indeed Christ our Passover was sacrificed for us. And knowing that, we need to get the leaven of sin, the old leaven, he would say, out and replace it with a new lump. We need to remember when we're battling sin, and especially this sin in particular, who we are in Christ, what Christ has done for us. We need to walk in the Spirit, not to fulfill the lusts of the flesh. The Passover festival, as they would celebrate it as Jews and in Israel, was the idea of how that Israel was taken from Egypt. And in Egypt, they were a slave to sin. But because of God's work through the plagues and God's amazing rescue operation to get them out of Egypt, that they were set free and they had to have that Passover lamb. And the Jews would continually celebrate Passover to remember how God had rescued them, freed them from their slavery to Egypt. And, and that's why we celebrate communion. We're looking at Christ, who is our perfect Passover lamb. And we know that he is called that in Revelation, the slain lamb on the throne, the one who's forgiven us, sanctified us, justified us, as we believe and trust in him, that all the junk from the past is gone. We're looking at him and saying, thank you, Jesus, I am forgiven. I'm walking in your spirit. I'm remembering who you are. And as Israel, and Paul points to that, had to know that Christ was our Passover sacrificed for us, they were called to look at Jesus. Paul was directing them to look at the work of Christ. An amazing thing. And when we are trying to defeat sin, or there's people, the deeper issue is, do we truly know who we are in Christ? And in that, 
we look to see if there's any leaven growing, any sin, and we cleanse it out. We take it out. We clean it out. It's interesting, as the Jews would celebrate Passover, one of the things they had to do was recorded in Exodus chapter 12 was they had to get all the leaven out and for the next six days not to eat any bread with leaven they they wanted to be cleansed and we know yeast or leaven Jesus even quotes it in regards to the Pharisees and Sadducees and what he's saying is just a little can grow and when Amy makes bread and you put just a little yeast in just a little thought just a little justification just a little thinking that it's not wrong grows and grows and grows and becomes this sin that destroys lives we don't want that. God loves us so much. He warns us in his word and says, don't go that way. I love you. And we're called to remember him and think on him and what he's done. And knowing that, as it would say later in Corinthians, we examine ourselves and say, is there any sin in me? Is there sin in our fellowship that is being puffed up? Well, we need to deal with that first in our life and then as we gather together. And we have God's words to help us through that. But we want to purge out the old life, like the Corinthians, and live in the new life, the new hope, the new grace. By looking at Jesus, our Passover lamb, the one that has forgiven us. And I would say honestly today, you know, dealing with so many have struggled and Maybe you're watching this and you're struggling. I think the deeper issue is knowing who you are in Christ, knowing that you're forgiven, knowing that you are washed, sanctified, set apart, justified as you believe in Jesus. And you don't want to go back to the things that are only going to cause you harm. How true that is. When I think of the people who have beat this sin and habitual sin of sexuality and, and thinking it's not wrong, when they look at Christ and see his love, it gives them the strength they need that grace empowers them to live this godly life. This morning, the deeper issue is, as you believe in Christ, he has purified you. And so we believe it, but then we examine. We examine our heart and we get the leaven out, and we remember Christ and say, is there anything that I am justifying or thinking is right for my own desires, not trusting you, God, in your truth that your way is the best way? Get it out, Lord Jesus. Not only that, as you go on in chapter 6, as I read, a real deeper issue to purity in in, in walking in purity, is to know that when you accept Christ, Christ lives in you. It says in verse 15, do you not know that your bodies are members of Christ? When you accept Jesus Christ and he comes into your life, the amazing thing is that you now are, uh, how we would say they would call themselves Christians, that Christ's spirit lives in you. So shall we take that and join that with the harlot? Remember in Corinth, there's so many 
uh, prostitutes and harlots, but take that in concerns to any sexual sin, knowing Christ lives in me. I'm not going to join that to junk on the internet. I'm not going to join that to an inappropriate relationship. I'm not going to do those things because I can't join the purity of Christ with the things of this world. Because we are joined, it says in verse 17, to the Lord in one spirit with him. We can't justify then not doing what he wants us to do. And we can't see Christ in a way sinning that way. He's made us pure. He lives in us. And we want to live pure because his power, his hope, his goodness is within us. I love the second point too, and I just want to mention this, uh, and it's so important. Um, at the end in verse 20, you were bought at a price. You're not your own. You're God's. Therefore, glorify God in your body, in your spirit, which are God's. And that's a deeper issue. So often on the surface, I can do what I want. You know, I am me. No, you not are you because God has purchased you. He's bought you because he loves you. Your value is great. You know, the pearl of great price where it talks about the man who sold everything to get that pearl. And obviously, we think of that for Jesus, for us, that we give up our life and we turn to him. But what about Christ? He gave everything up for us, for our value, because for him, we are his joy. And he loved us so much, he gave so much up in coming to this earth, in dying, his life for us, that he's purchased us, and then now we are to glorify him in our body and our spirit. We are not our own. That's a deeper issue because on the surface, I can do what I want. I want to satisfy my, my desires and my needs, but that's not the way. No, God loves me. He's washed me. He's cleansed me. And he has bought me at an incredible price because there's such value. I give value. There's value in me and he's paid his life for me. And now my response is to glorify him. And because he lives in me, I don't want to join myself with sin. And Paul says, you know, you are the temple. And the Holy Spirit, Christ, lives in you. So therefore, flee sexual immorality. You know, often we say, well, run away, run away, that's it. But we don't think of the deeper issue of, no, Christ lives in me, and I don't want to defame Christ, or I don't want to defame my God. So it's not just running, it's why I'm running, because I am the Lord's. In Timothy it says, flee youthful lusts. And we say, oh, young people, just run away. But I think it's more because in the New Living Translation, it would say, anything that stimulates your thoughts to these youthful lusts, you have to run away from. So we read this as believers, no matter our age, in a culture that's saturated with sexual immorality and tells us it's okay, no, because Christ lives in me, and that's not who Christ is, and I'm of great value. So I need to run from anything that is stimulating thoughts to justify 
sexual sin in my life. It's a sin that destroys. The world tells us it's just a physical act. It's not. It's a spiritual act. And he says that, that the two become one. It's a coming together of the flesh. It's a coming together of emotions. It's a coming together of the spirit. And we cannot then join ourselves, as he's going to say later in 2 Corinthians, with things that aren't of Christ in the proper commitment and covenant. I just really want to encourage you today. This is a loving father, Paul, telling them, listen, it's reported. But he's not just slapping their wrist and no, no, don't do that. Bad boy, go to your room, bad girl. He's saying there's so much more. You are more than that because of who Christ made you and he loves you. This morning, would you understand as you believe in Jesus, you are washed and sanctified, justified. That is the great depth of the gospel. It wasn't your work, it's his work. And he has made you pure and clean. And now you don't want to fall back into that thinking. But any thought, any leaven, you cleanse away looking at your great Savior, Christ. Know that when you became a believer and believed in Jesus, that he came into you and you are not your own. That his spirit lives in you and that Christ would never be joined to a harlot, but you were bought with an incredible price. Now bring glory, glory to God. There's many times I have spoken in different places and felt the Lord for whatever reason in my spirit want to give a warning. So there has been times certainly where I've gone and said, sin will destroy. It will destroy me, it will destroy you. If we give it an inch, it will take a mile. It will come back and bite us. But God's way is the best way. And I can remember in this topic many, many years ago, speaking in a certain location and feeling the Lord saying, you know, give a warning in sexual immorality. And so, so I did that and left it. It felt a little awkward. I didn't ask for a response. I just said, God loves you so much. Just flee, run because you're precious for him and he doesn't want you to get hurt. It was a week later as I gave that sermon that I had a, a phone call and went out with an individual and it was so interesting because he said, that was for me, I'm struggling. I'm living in a way I shouldn't live. Um, and I could look that person in the face and say, God loves you so much. He's warning you. He's reminding you who you are. He's saying, get the leaven out. I have a greater plan for you. I live in you. This morning, I think God might be nudging us and reminding us that it's not just Corinth. It can be anywhere. But we want to live in purity for him. He loves us enough not to let us go. And we need to love each other to remind each other of who we are in Christ and that we are new and that he lives in us. I talked to Abby a little bit a couple of weeks ago. She was telling me about 
her thoughts about purity rings and it's a wonderful thing for some but others don't like it so much where uh, fathers give their daughters a purity ring and they say hold on uh, wear this ring until um, you're married and then replace it with your uh, wedding ring but you be pure for that individual at that day and Abby said you know what I don't think I'd wear one and I said well why not don't you want to live pure and right and she said well yeah certainly I do but not for a human being I want to live pure for Christ because he has done so much he has cleansed me he has forgiven me as I believe in him he lives in me I don't stay pure for my future me. I don't stay pure because Pastor Dan said to stay pure. I don't stay pure because my parents say it. I don't say it because my spouse says it. I do it because that's what God says and God loves me and God's purified me and God wants me to live a life that is consistent with what he has made me. And this morning, may we flee, but not because we have to, not because of a slap on the wrist, but because of what God has done for us, because his love for us, because we are valued in his sight and he paid the price and bought us and he lives in us. And what a motivation, what a deeper thought to walk in the spirit with him, knowing what he's done, not to fulfill the lust of the flesh. Every person that I've talked to and counseled and helped to kick these addictions or sins, it's always when they come the realization of who they are in Christ. And it gives them that strength. It gives them that strength and understanding, not just the slap on the wrist, to walk with Christ. And may we be the same this morning. Let's pray, Lord, thank you for your grace and your goodness. Lord, may we know who we are in you. May we know that you live in us. May we know that we are precious and bought with the price. And may we honor you, believing in our hearts. Yeah, just believing that we can't satisfy ourselves, but only you satisfy us. You're so good. And we pray this in your precious name, Jesus. Amen. Well, be blessed and have a great week. Bye-bye.